this week you're living on money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you're living a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an eight 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 money pit. The money pit is presented by DAP, Wagner Sprayers, custom building products, and Owens Corning. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy to be here today with you, helping with your home improvement projects. If you've got a project on your to-do list, you can move it right over to ours by reaching out with your questions. We'll help you get started on the right foot. If you're trying to figure out if you're paying the right price for a project or a product or you don't know what to use to get the job done, great questions for us. The number here is one eight 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 Money Pit, or go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button. Hey, coming up on today's show, as summer approaches, it's a great time to make sure your home's cooling plan is set to deliver comfort and energy efficiency. So to help you do just that, we put together a list of low-cost to even no-cost tips that will help you stay cool and save some bucks. And if you've ever taken on a tiling project, you may know that it's messy and it takes days because you have to wait for the adhesive to set before you can grout. Well, we're going to show you a trick of the trade to install tile that's a lot less messy and far faster just ahead. And if you do a lot of painting but have yet to try out a paint sprayer, well, you guys are working way too hard. We're going to share new technology that makes quick work of big projects. But first, are you dreaming about a project that you'd like to tackle this spring? Well, if you can dream it, you can do it, and we can help. So give us a call. Let us know what you are working on this summer season, because we want everybody to have a great summer at their own Money Pit. And the best way to reach us and get the fastest possible response is go to moneypit.com slash ask, click the blue microphone button, and send us your question. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Heading out to Baltimore, we've got Darlene on the line who's dealing with some noise issues. What's happening? Well, I have... um a wall between my upstairs apartment and my downstairs apartment. Yep. And there's no insulation in the wall, and I want to insulate it so that I have sound uh, barrier between okay. the two places. Okay. And I wanted to know what insulation would be the best thing to use. Okay. So you said wall. Do you mean ceiling? Because you said... No, I'm talking about the wall that goes up the stairs. Oh, okay. So I All hear right. everything that comes in, and my daughter who lives in my upstairs oh, apartment yeah. okay. hears everything so, in my downstairs. Okay, so the best insulation to do to use for that is mineral wool insulation. Owens Corning makes a product that is called Thermofiber, and it has very good sound-resistant qualities to it. You'd have to open up the walls to do this. You'd have to take off the drywall, and then you'd put the Thermofiber in. Now, in addition to the Thermofiber, there's also a sound-deadening drywall you can use because you have to tear off the existing drywall. And there's a couple of different ones. One I'm familiar with, I know you can find it at Lowe's, is called Quiet Rock. And it's basically an engineered drywall panel that has built-in sound deadening qualities to it. And I think between the Quiet Rock and the Thermofiber, which you'll also find at Lowe's, uh, you will be definitely able to quiet down that staircase uh, and get some rest in your space as a result of it. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds really good. I appreciate your calling me back so quickly. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Let us know how you make out. Thank you very much. I enjoy your program. Heading over to Little Rock, Arkansas, we've got Tony on the line. So, Tony, tell us about this tile issue. What's going on and where are they? Right in front of the bathroom 
my bathroom in, in my hallway. Okay. So the tile's loose. How big are the tile here? What are we talking about? It transitions from probably a 12 by 4 inch to a 12 by 12. You know, what you're going to want to do is lift those up. You're going to have to work on an edge where you can get in there. The first one's always the hardest to get up. But if they're loose like that, you won't have any trouble popping them up. And then you've got to get all the grout out of there. And you may need to do that with a grout knife or you can grind it out. But you've got to get the grout out of there. You're going to need to replace that. And then you'll use mastic, a thick tile mastic, to reset that tile and then once it's dry, then you can regrout it. Now, the grouting part's probably the trickiest because, you know, you're going to have old grout near new grout. And one way that you could deal with that is you could decide to regrout the whole floor by uh, by uh, basically grinding out some of the, ga- the grout that's already there, even if the tile's not loose yet. And this will all be the same color. I guess it kind of depends on what your tolerance is and, and how close you want those colors to be. But even if you had the same exact product, you know, that grout gets dirtier over time. It changes color, and it doesn't match up. Pretty simple, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's a job, <laughs> like anything else, right? There's a bunch of steps to it, but but it's really not terribly difficult. And if you're a little bit handy, I'm sure you can handle it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for calling. All right, we've got Maya from Iowa on the line. Now, Maya's dealing with some steps outside that have carpeting glued to them. That sounds like a terrible combination of things. What is going on at your money pit? My house has... Uh, two-step brick uh, um, steps on the west side of my house, and it's covered in carpet, outdoor carpet that's been glued on. Now, there are some holes starting in that carpet, and I'm wondering what the best way is to remove it. Once I get it removed, what would be your advice on what I should do with that step? Well, Maya, I'll tell you, that's a heck of a mess you got yourself into there because trying to remove that carpet that's glued on is very difficult under any circumstances. You know, there are adhesive removers that you can use, uh, but the best you're going to get is it's going to soften it up, and then maybe you can kind of scrape it flat. Now, I do have one idea for you, and that is uh, for you to be, to try to apply pavers on top of this old step. You want to just make sure that you're not altering the height. But there's a type of paver called a Milano paver. It's made by the Pavestone Company, and it's a thinner paver. So it's it's only uh, it's probably less than an inch thick, and you can glue these on. Because the problem is this: with all that old glue on there, you're not gonna you're gonna have a heck of a time getting anything else to stick. You know, you're not gonna get paint to stick terribly well. You certainly couldn't use any of the concrete repair products because they're designed to basically go over cold, over old concrete. But if you were to glue something on top of that, either the pavers or you could use also a ceramic tile, make sure it's rated for outside and it's not slippery. But if you were to think about gluing back on top of that concrete surface, top of that step uh, or the little stoop, whatever it is, either a tile or a paver, then I think you could have a nice-looking surface there and have something that could stay around for a long time. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, you want to make our day? Well, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be jumping for joy. Plus, you guys, your feedback helps us make the show even better for you. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Dan, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I have a screen porch on the back of my house. It has a tin roof, and it gets extremely hot in the summer, so hot that it just radiates heat down. I was wondering, is there something I can put on that tin roof to deflect the heat that comes from the sun? Yeah, I bet that metal roof gets super hot. What you can do, Dan, is you can apply a radiant barrier. It's like a paint, and there's different types. There's aluminum-colored radiant barrier. There's white. There's a product called Sun Shield that you find at Home Depot. Uh, that's a radiant barrier, and it's often used not only on porches, it's even used on RVs. So uh, this will be applied right to the top of the roof, and this will help reflect some of the UV radiation back off the roof so it won't all absorb, and that'll make you a bit com- more comfortable uh, under that roof in the summer. When the, when the sun's full bore like that, it'll help to bounce some of that heat back off again. All right, now we're going to chat with Sally, who's dealing with an issue with the window. We're seeing a lot of fogging up. What's going on? Well, I have two very large double-pane windows. They're like big-picture windows, and um, they have uh, fogged up. It's, it's a, uh, it looks like there's moisture between the two panes, and so I was wondering what can be done about that besides replacing it. Is there any remedy for that? Unfortunately, there is not. That is a failed thermopane seal, and when that window was made, that seal was added, uh, the seal was used, and it's placed in a vacuum, and that gap is usually filled with an insulating gas like argon, and so when the seal fails, you'll get moisture in there, and that's what you're seeing with the fogging. Now, it, it is unsightly, but it doesn't terribly impact the energy efficiency of the window, so if you don't mind the fog... You know, it's not like it's leaking. It just doesn't look so nice. But the only way to repair that is really just to take it out and replace it because it's a sealed unit, and there's no way to restore it back to its factory manufactured condition. Yeah, I have about seven other windows that are about the same age. They're over 15 years old, and they're all fine. But so just these two had a particular problem when they were made. Is that what you'd assume? Yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, are these the biggest windows, or are they all the same size? Of course, they're the biggest one. Yeah, well, I mean, I re- I ask you that because they're going to expand more, going to expand, expand and contract more than the smaller windows. So they're that about could be a 80, well. 84 inches long and yeah. 56 inches tall. They're big. They're really yeah, big. Yeah, they sure they, are. You know, yep. it's, a, it's a panoramic view of the mountains. Yeah. And so it's, oh, it's yeah, too bad. So yeah. Unsightly, but okay, I'll get them replaced, and that's about all I can do. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, good luck with that project. 
Well, now that we're in the heat of summer, it's a great time to make sure that your home's cooling plan is set to deliver comfort and energy efficiency. So to help, we've put together a list of no-cost tips that you can start using right away. So first, if you're using window AC units, you want to make sure that they're in windows that are on the shady side of the house because by keeping those air conditioners out of direct sunlight, that unit stays cooler, so it's going to be a lot more efficient. Now let's talk about storm windows. Now you normally keep them closed in the winter, right? Well, here's the trick. Also, keep them closed in the summer if you've got central air conditioning. Because guess what, guys? you got the same leaks year-round. Just because it's summer, you don't feel those drafts. But you can be assured that you are wasting cooled air from inside your house leaking out. So drop those storm windows to make it a little tighter in your house, and that will give you some extra cooling, comfort, and efficiency. Yeah. Also, do you guys have window shades or curtains of some type? Well, if you have them, pull them closed. Keep them down. You want to keep those rooms cool, so close those shades and blinds during those sun-filled hours of the day. The more the sun that comes in, that harder that that air conditioner is going to have to work to cool things down. So just cut that sun out altogether. You know what's cool about that is that they have automated shades. The prices have come way down that they're kind of programmed so that they will go up and down at certain times on the, in the day based on the sun level. So that's kind of cool. You don't have to think about it. Now, if you've got an overhead fan, you might have noticed a little switch of sorts on the motor itself. And maybe you wondered what the heck that's for. Well, it's to change the direction of the blades to run. Now, you want them to spin in the right direction for cooling efficiency by setting the reverse motors for counterclockwise. And that you'll see that will pull up the air and sort of recirculate the cool air around the room. Yeah, and when it comes to washing dishes in the dishwasher or doing the laundry or running the dryer, you want to run all of those heat-generating appliances at night if you can. This way, your cooling system won't have to work as hard. It'll be far more efficient, and it won't put so much stress on the system. Yeah, and the best part of all these little tricks is that they won't cost you a dime. Hey, if you guys have questions about projects just like that, reach out to us right now at one eighty eight Money Pit or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get back to the calls. And in Louisiana, what is going on at your money pit? Tell us about it. In the hall, I have a section of the vinyl flooring that has peeled up. Okay. You know, it's that rolled vinyl, and it's not on a seam. It's just in the middle of the floor. The length of it has started peeling, and I've tried several different glues and put the hair dryer on it to try to get it warm and then put the glue on it and then put a... a Piece of, I read on someplace, put a piece of wax paper and then put a board on it and let it sit and to no right. avail. It just keeps peeling back up. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's it's a really difficult problem to solve at this point because you have so many different adhesive products on there. It's not just not worked well for you. If it was me, what I would do is I would replace the floor not with the vinyl sheet, but there's a product called LVP. It's Luxury Vinyl Plank. First of all, it's absolutely gorgeous stuff. And secondly, it's really, really affordable. You know, for maybe as much as a dollar and a half, two dollars a square foot, you can buy these planks. They're so easy to install. They snap together. And you could replace that floor and have a beautiful new floor as a result for a a fraction of the aggravation (laughs) that you are going through right now trying to fix this loose seam. So I wouldn't put any more effort into it. You could go to llflooring.com. They're one of our sponsors. They make this. You can go check out their stores or anywhere else you'd like to and look at the LVP products, the luxury vinyl plank flooring. You're going to really be surprised at the variety of patterns and options you have 
And uh, I think the stuff is just gorgeous. I've seen some of these installations where you can almost not tell that it's vinyl. I mean, it really is beautifully done with the way that the graphic is made to sort of emulate that wood grain. And it really looks fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Good luck with that project. Heading up to Michigan, where we've got Phil on the line. What is going on at your money pit? My wife and I recently had our uh, home spray foamed, uh, the rim joists, exterior walls, and the attic. And the change in living quality has been fantastic. Uh, We no longer hear uh, all the outside noise of the world. Um, Our home stays a moderate temperature at all times now, and the energy savings has been uh, fantastic. Um, We have a 2,500-square-foot Cape Cod-style house. Uh, We've been here for four and a half years. And uh, with a spray-foamed attic, uh, we no longer get to use the whole house fan. And we've come to rely on the whole house fan uh, because our our kitchen, um, when we cook indoors, it makes a lot of smoke, and our uh, vent hood can't exactly keep up. And it's also really nice on very hot days to just pull in some of that uh, cold air that comes off the river and just run that through the house. Do I have any options for this whole house fan, or should I just uh, remove it and patch my ceiling up? That's a really interesting question. I've never received that question before, but I totally understand it because I, too, am a big fan of whole house fans because, as you say, they serve a multitude of purposes. We put one in our very first house, which was a condominium garden apartment, and it was on the second floor. It was always very warm, and it just did an amazing job of making that place comfortable. We would open up uh, the door, the sliding glass door, open up a couple of windows, and set it on low. It was on a timer. It would cool the house off as we were going to sleep at night. We saved a lot of money in the air conditioning. Now, you have a conflict of, of interests here because the, uh, the spray foam insulation, of course, that's designed to seal in every nook and cranny, right? And it takes that attic and makes it a non-vented attic space. So you no longer have to worry about having uh, you know, any temperature differential in there, any moisture venting in there, because no moisture is going to form. But the problem is that you also have to close up the gable vents. Now, the one idea that I have for you would be if you were to construct a duct, and it would be a large duct, that went from the whole house fan to the old gable vent, then essentially you would be bypassing that attic space uh, as part of the journey. So that when you turned on the whole house fan, it would essentially draw the air directly from the exterior and not from the attic as it used to. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I don't see any other way of accomplishing this unless I don't know what the second floor looks like. But, of course, the other thing that you could do is perhaps there's a passive vent that could be installed in the finished wall but I'm concerned about that because that might just be super cold in the winter. So I think ducting the whole house fan right to an appropriately sized gable vent on the end of the building might be the best way to go if, in fact, you want to continue to enjoy that whole house fan. Okay, thanks for the option. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. 
And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. So, Leslie, I ran into a friend of mine uh, this past weekend, and What's interesting about her is that I actually built a deck for her and her husband 34 years ago. I said, hey, how's that deck? It's still standing. Nice. She said that we placed the decking itself, but the frame is still standing. It's still strong. So they have updated the railing and the decking, but it's still standing. And that just goes to show you that if you build it right, it can last a heck of a long time. I was a little bit surprised myself, but very happy to hear (laughs) Never underestimate your skills, Tom. You are a kick-butt carpenter. 34 years ago. I remember that because it was the summer before we got married. Otherwise, I probably would have forgotten by now. But that was like my get-in-shape project for the wedding. Listen, can't remember your anniversary, <laughs> but you remember the deck. Good job, guys. Well, I have my deck anniversary and I have my wedding anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Heading out to Westchester, Pennsylvania, where we've got Courtney, who's doing some work in the yard with a patio, but a tree's got other plans. What's going on? <laughs> So we want to build a brick patio. We have, like, extra free bricks, and we want to do it in an area in our lawn where there's not a lot of grass growing. You know, it's hard to grow the grass because of these pines. There's five pines. They're large. Right. How can I best build this patio uh, without disturbing the roots and having it level? The answer is you can't. Because if you can't get rid of these roots, or at least the major big ones that are where this patio has to be, you're going to continue to have to deal with them. And no matter how good a job you do in laying in the base of that patio, you'll find that the roots will just start to lift it up, especially with brick, because it happens really quick. Concrete might take a little longer, but you know, even if it is concrete, it would lift the slab up and crack it. One of the things you could think about doing is maybe doing, and I hardly ever recommend this except in this unusual circumstance, uh, would be to do a deck right above grade. So it's kind of like a wood platform that is right above the grade. You would only have to secure it at the corners uh, the same way you would any deck. But then if the roots start to come up with that, then at least you got some room you know, to, to go before they start to interrupt the thing. And you could always... Pull the deck boards out, cut the root backs a little bit if you if you can. But, you know, roots are pretty durable. You may be able to cut back some big ones and not impact those trees at all. Yeah, we weren't sure um, because, you know, we only see a little bit. So when we dig down, we're like, oh, we don't know what we're going to find. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do a little exploratory surgery with a shovel there and see what you find. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Better to know. 
Good luck with that project, Courtney. Thanks so much for calling us at the Money Pit. Well, if you've ever taken on a tiling project, you may know that it's messy and you know that it takes days to complete because you got to wait, really. You need to wait for the adhesive to set, then you can grout it, and then all the wiping and the drying and all of that stuff. Well, we found a new product that eliminates those hassles. Yep. It's called Simple Mat. Now, what it is is a two-sided adhesive mat. And it replaces the need for thin-set mortar or that kind of messy mastic adhesive. It's kind of a quick and easy way to install tile on backsplashes or countertops or shower walls. You just apply the simple mat to the surface that you want to tile, and then you add the tile on top of that. It bonds instantly, and you can start grouting right away. Yeah, and you can use Simple Mat on vertical or horizontal surfaces. And when used with Simple Grout, a backsplash project can be completed and get this, just a few hours. I love this. It's really pretty brilliant. I mean, the adhesive is built into both sides of the mat. So you apply it to the wall for, say, a backsplash, then you stick the tiles on, then you grout. Simple Mat is available at the Home Depot, and it's made by Custom Building Products. No mortar, no mixing, no mess. Learn more at custombuildingproducts.com. Time to talk driveways. We've got Larry on the line. Tell us about your project. Okay, we have a driveway uh, that's probably 25 or 30 years old, and we're going to replace 30 feet of it that has uh, sunk down, and you know there's been some water issues and so forth. So mm-hmm. we're going to take all that up, of course, and then when we see what we got, we, we're probably going to have to – this is just me talking about bringing in – some sort of uh, river sand or something, and then make sure that that's good. Then bring in, oh, I was thinking, like uh, maybe four inches of maybe uh, SB2, or unless y'all think some other kind of gravel would be better to have us a nice base, and then pour the slab on top of all of that. So that, that's my question. Am I going the right way, or I need some need some help? Yes. Yeah, so are we talking about a concrete driveway or an asphalt driveway, Larry? Concrete. You're definitely on the right track here, and typically you do get a lot of movement, especially in your part of the country down Louisiana. you got a lot of water and such down there, that uh, and, and the sand, as you mentioned, kind of settles things a lot. You're definitely going to have to get that up, and then you're going to have to bring in some of that crushed gravel. And the thing is, and where people usually go wrong, is they don't put enough crushed gravel in, and then they don't pack the gravel. So you've got to have mechanical tampers compact that gravel and when and when it's done well it's frankly just as hard as the concrete itself you know when it's really solidly packed in there uh, you do all your work with the gravel and getting that crown just right for drainage and then you can add you know your concrete on top of that but if you don't do the prep properly and you don't uh, fill it in, you don't compact it, you're going to be right back where you are right now in the not-too-distant future. So you are definitely on the right approach here, sir. Okay, so now when you say uh, the gravel, is the SB2 good or is there some other size gravel that I should use there, uh, you know, maybe like four inches on top of the sand or dirt? What, what do you, What's your thinking on that? Up here, we use the gravel that's about an inch, inch and a half in diameter, and then we'll put crushed gravel on top of that. So we kind of build it up with a thicker base, then put the crushed gravel over that, and then tamp it down. But that tamping step, I mean, we're not just talking about hand tamper here. You're going to have to rent yourself mechanical tamper that, you know, sits on top of a big metal plate. It's got a heavy engine on it. Put some ear protection on it. Just go to town with that thing. Get it nice and nice and tight. Okay. Well, we were, I did talk to one guy that sells the gravel and he suggested, uh, four inches and, uh, but put two inches down 
pack it, then come back with two more inches and yep. pack that. Yep, you can't go wrong doing that. If you feel like it's still moving, even though you're tamping it, you don't have enough in. you got to tamp it well. When you do that driveway section, make sure you're reinforcing that concrete because that will also prevent you from having cracking. Thank you very much for your help. I love your show. I, I travel out on the road. I catch you all quite a bit. All right. Thank you very much, Larry. Good luck with the project. Send us pictures when you're done. Okay, sure will. Thank you. Darlene in West Virginia is on the line with a roofing question. How can we help you today? My husband and I are considering putting a metal roof on our home, and I wanted to know, is it best to go ahead and keep the old shingles on the roof? No. You know, if you're going to go through the expense of putting on a metal roof, which is a real investment-grade roofing, it's a roof that could last you 50 to 100 years, you absolutely don't want to put it over old asphalt shingles. There's no point in having them there. And uh, if anything, they could make that metal roof look lumpy. So I would absolutely take it right down to the sheathing and then have the roof installed right from there on up. It's absolutely not worth trying to save a few dollars by leaving that old asphalt there essentially forever. Okay, because I've known some people, they've been told, oh, yeah, it'll, you know, you don't have to worry about throwing them out. You don't have to worry about taking them off and everything. It's just fine. It actually, I've even heard them tell people that it'll add a layer of insulation. Yeah, that's all, that's all crap. (laughs) Okay. You quote me on that. Well, I'm glad I called. (laughs) That's just not true. There's nothing about an asphalt shingle that insulates anything. It doesn't trap air. So it just doesn't work. In fact, you know, what it does do is hold a lot of extra heat on that roof. So, Well, and it would build up moisture and, and everything probably. No, but in the summertime, that extra heat will add to your air conditioning costs. So I would just tear that out and forget about it and start from scratch, okay? You'd be better off in the long run. All right. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Mm, bye-bye. Well, if you do a lot of painting, but you're doing it the old way, you know, with brushes and rollers, and you haven't quite tried out a paint sprayer yet, you're just doing too much work. You know, these (laughs) Wagner high-efficiency airless paint sprayers, they can deliver more paint without waste and result in a far better finish than you can achieve with those other methods. For example, the Wagner Titan Control Max 1700 high-efficiency airless paint sprayer It's great for handymen, general contractors, and experienced homeowners who are willing to tackle those bigger painting projects. Yeah, you know, the high-efficiency airless technology produces 55% less overspray, and it goes on three times faster than a roller. Plus, it's going to pull paint directly from either a one-gallon or a five-gallon paint container, and it's even got a 30-foot hose which makes it super simple to get around. And when you're done painting, I also love the fact that with this model, you can store your tips and your tools in the integrated storage, which I love because I'm always looking for a wrench or something or other that came with a tool. And when it's not stored on board, it's just a little bit harder to find. Yeah, it definitely makes it easy to find the things that you need when you want them. Now, the Titan Control Max 1700 High Efficiency Airless Paint Sprayer, it's available at Lowe's Home Improvement, and it retails for $379. John in Michigan's on the line right now with the Money Pit and has got a question about deck staining. What's going on? I've got a stain, and I've used a couple different stains uh, at different houses we've lived at. But anyways, the almost all the stains say six or seven years they're good for, but the flats, meaning the decking and the handrails, uh, seem to lose uh, all resiliency to water, and they fade out in just a couple of years while the spindles and everything that's vertical 
do last six or seven years. Right. But I was wondering if I'm doing something wrong here or wrong stain or. Well, let me ask you about the stain that you're choosing. So stain comes in, in different sort of densities. It's available in transparent, semi-transparent, and solid color. Do you know which one you've been applying? Getting a semi-transparent. Okay. That's probably the most common, but it's not the one that I would have selected. I would have selected solid color. Some people are afraid of solid color stain because they think that it's like putting paint on the deck. It's really not. You do see the grain through that solid color stain, but it has a lot more pigment in it and therefore lasts a lot longer than semi-transparent. So one thing that I would suggest you do is the next time you're going to stain, use a very good quality stain, make sure the surface is properly prepped in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions, and then apply a solid color stain. And I think you'll see a deck that's going to last a lot longer and wear better at the same time. Okay, and so if I use the same brand, it should be okay to go over the existing semi-transparent with the new... You don't even have to stay with the same brand. You know, you can use a different brand as long as you properly prepare the deck before you make that application. So if there's any loose stain or loose fibers of the wood, you may have to do some sanding and some scrubbing. If you do pressure washing, that's okay, but make sure the deck is really, really dry. Don't like pressure wash it and then stain. So pressure wash it and wait a couple of days in the hot sun for it to really dry out before you apply the stain. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Got a question here from Martha who wrote in saying, and I always imagine it's Martha Stewart when it's Martha. I know it's not, (laughs) but in my mind. Martha Stewart would not be asking this question because (laughs) she knows not to do this. (laughs) So, So Martha asks, how do I remove paint from a brick fireplace surround? It's a lot of work. You know, look, there are certain things that you do in terms of projects that take a commitment. And whether in this case it was your commitment, Martha, or the past owner's commitment, once you put paint on a brick fireplace, it's there to stay. It doesn't come off. It's not like you can scrape it off. I mean, it's even hard to get off a wall, but it's not even like you can scrape it off a wall or scrape it off trim. You know, bricks are so porous that all that paint gets in every nook and cranny, and it just is not coming off. So my advice to you is to think about repainting with a color that you love and decorate around it because you're just going to end up in a total frustration, Leslie, right, if she tries to remove the paint from a fireplace. I mean, that paint's always going to be there in some capacity. It's just going to be thinner, more spread out. It just doesn't come off the way you want it to. So definitely pick a color you like and just enjoy it. All right, next up, we've got Mark who wrote in saying, I'm preparing to install engineered wood flooring over a plywood subfloor. The installation instructions say that there should not be more than three sixteenths inch dip over a six-foot distance. How can I make sure the subfloor is flat for the new floor? Levels. Well, levels, but the question is, how do you fill in those gaps? And i got to tell you, the one issue I have with a lot of these new flooring products is those specs in terms of unlevelness seem to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, three-sixteenths of an inch is... That is little. That is little over a six-foot distance. You know, that is a that is not much. It's really not in anything. Uh, it really isn't. I mean, even a perfectly built house can have that kind of a dip, you know, just because maybe the plywood lip is up a little bit. So here's, you know, they have floor-leveling compounds for this. And if it's kind of a large area, I would use that. Now... With a floor-leveling compound, it's kind of like a very uh, thick slurry, and you pour it out, and it dries pretty quick, and it raises the floor to level. A trick of the trade, though, is this. 
What you want to do is get a level and you want to figure out how thick that coating has to be. And once you figure that out, you put in a couple of screws to represent the height of where you want the floor to be. So if you have the level, say it's a four-foot level, right, and you have it on the wood and then you have it out where you're going to have to actually make up some space, you drive a screw in there and you leave it hanging up off the subfloor just just enough to represent the thickness. And then when you put the slurry in, you can match it to the level of those screw heads. So just a little trick of the trade, make that job just a little bit easier. If it's only in a little area, you can kind of build up some of those dips with just uh, tar paper. I've done it myself. I put a few layers of tar paper, some strips of tar paper, built up some of those dips and had the floor sitting just perfect. I mean, and that's a technique that's been done for ages. If you ever take apart an old house, you find newspapers from like 100 years ago. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Good luck with that, Mark. I hope your floor is not more unlevel than 3 sixteenths of an inch. But it probably is. <laughs> This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on a beautiful summer day. Are you guys working on your summer projects? Have they begun? Well, since summer is here, it's time to get going. Now, if you got questions, you got problems, you got uh, issues that you run into, stuff that you didn't really count on, well, you can always count on us to help you with those projects when you reach out at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. We hope you picked up a tip or two, and if you did, We'd really appreciate it if you drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.